Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Mindful Conversations with Matt and Rob. And I'm Rob. I am Matt, and we have not only Ryan Murphy rejoining us. Yes. There's, there's a large presence in the room. Yes, there is. Your biological son. Yes. Jeremiah Johnson. <laughs> Welcome. Is your, we have Maya Cook at the table in the studio. How exciting is this? He's wearing a very bright shirt that could land airplanes. Yes. Silver like Lake. That. Silver Lake. And Silver Lake Dunes with a Jeep grill emblem, which he's a Jeeper like his dad. Yep. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, we are, <laughs> Maya is kind of like, I'm here. And I said, yeah, <laughs> anything's possible. Yes, that's just, true. Just hang on. I called it, it's a train. Rob said it's a train wreck, but <laughs> we are happy that you've tuned in to Mindful Conversations. So this is episode 19. Mm-hmm. This is part two of Abuse of Power. And um, just for our listeners, if you have tuned into this and you listened to episode 18, we talked about the different concepts of abuse of power, like physical, sexual, emotional, uh, spiritual, uh, workplace for sure, uh, financial, even self-neglect uh, and things like that. And we really spent a good time. You know, in fact, I re-listened to the conversation a couple times. Now, I'm not egotistical, at least by my own self-assessment. <laughs> Why would you have to qualify that? <laughs> but I listened to it. I actually thought it was a good conversation. I it was. En- I enjoyed it. I did too. So we hope if you're listening, you you enjoyed it as well. But if you didn't listen to that, go back and listen to part one. Today in part two, we're going to continue the conversation on spiritual abuse, and we're going to delve in um, to Ryan's story. And Rob, I thought you would um, you had some thoughts pre-recording um, that I thought you could maybe um, lead into Ryan sharing his story. So the last. Um, at the last episode we were talking and Ryan was talking about doing the work um, necessary in order to mitigate or to avoid abusing your power. And my point was that I thought his story is a powerful story and it illustrates many of the concepts that we are already talking about and probably need to touch on moving forward. And so I, for one, really appreciate the opportunity to hear your story. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad to tell it. <laughs> so jump right in. Jump right in. Okay. So the context is spiritual. Okay. Spiritual. And um, although there's been different opportunities to experience different levels of the abuse of power in the workplace, you know, I think the spiritual one really does hit home. Um, this has a lot of gravity. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, with a spiritual context, you know, um, it might affect individuals even deeper Mm -hmm. than maybe workplace or other forms, um, messes with your concept of God, eternity, your soul. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but, um, I guess it would be, Wow almost to date, 10 years ago, um, that my wife and I chose to exit a system, uh, a religious uh, context of a church, uh, after experiencing pretty blatant abusive power from the senior leader. And uh, 
over the course of time, obviously, uh, I think the relationship started well. And um, over time, we would experience just hints of the abuse of power. Um, and I think the striking thing about it all was that it was really hard to capture, really difficult to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the system had rules. Um, we called them no-talk rules. Um, but if you were negatively impacted by the senior leader, then um, it was really hard to hold space to speak about it. So I myself, I was um, kind of part of the leadership team. Um, I held a position as an armor bearer to the senior leader, uh, senior pastor. And over time, I just witnessed um, his incapacity to really hold space and care for people well. And uh, as his mental, emotional, and spiritual health lessened, the relationships around him became compromised and uh, people were starting to catch on. And so it came to a point where I wrote a letter and I just simply stated what I observed. And uh, the letter kind of just said something to the effect that, you know, you're holding a position that is of God and I don't perceive that what I'm receiving you (laughs) is from love and the way you're treating others who leave the congregation and then asking others not to associate with these people who leave and all of these things. And uh, I was then made to feel as though I was the problem because because I had hard questions, because I was impacted negatively. That negative impact was coming from me. So... When we talk about gaslighting, mm-hmm. I, yeah. that's what was happening. And it took me a couple of years, to be honest with you. And Matt and I sat at the table for quite a few of those years to make sense of this. But eventually I just said, enough. It's wrong. <laughs> and uh, and we have to leave. And so oh, the fallout from that was really heavy, um, even to the degree of which, you know, the senior leader would describe that I have lost my place in heaven because I touched the Lord's anointed. There's a misapplication of that scripture. Yeah, as we, you know, just touch base with a couple terms for those who may be listening and maybe they don't understand the context of some of the um, offices, if you will, within the, uh, the church. Um, you said armor bearer. You were serving in a role. Yeah. What, what is an armor bearer? Just a support, um, a, a moral support, um, someone who just comes alongside uh, the senior leader just to, to help navigate the space, to answer questions of the congregation, to kind of just be a, a right-hand person, if you will, mm-hmm. um, in support of their contribution. You know, as a senior pastor, you have a lot to focus on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you kind of curb those questions and, you know, meet people so that they don't have to meet all people. And I don't know, it's kind of like a support role. So I'm curious, um, although I know the context of the story, you know, in this, in this conversation today, um, I'm curious about you and kind of, you brought you into this, uh, spiritual place and you were your own person on your own journey. Um, how, 
how were you relating to you in the midst of this, mm-hmm. this process? Yeah. Oh, I think that connects really well with our previous conversation. You know, where did my power come from? Oh, yeah. Where was I finding the answers to my inner worth? You know, and I would say I was very much looking to the church to form my concept of belonging. Mm-hmm. So power by association, very much so. Um, looking to others to fill that space, looking to maybe what you would call a spiritual authority, mm-hmm. you know, to um, nurture, you know, the soul. And I was very much looking outside of myself and that helped to fill that during that time. But <laughs> the the wonderful, beautiful, messy part of it is, you know, I wouldn't change a thing because that caused me to look within. Yeah, fast forward. Mm-hmm. And now you see the end as something very valuable that you have worked hard to to experience for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that that was an awakening to self. Yeah, very much so. I started to find my own inner voice, and I started to decide what I thought was real and what was true and what was false. And the more I was congruent with that, the healthier I became and the less disturbed I became by the threats. Mm -hmm. But that's what you referred to then in the previous podcast is doing the work. Doing the work, the reflection, yeah. But it's interesting, too, because during that time, well, he was gaslighting. You, it sounded like it was a very gradual, a gradual thing over a, a period of time. So you didn't realize while you were in it that that's what was happening. Yeah, correct. And I think I could say the rest of the team felt the same. So we were all in the same boat. So it wasn't that I was being singled out. We were all in the same boat Mm -hmm. and lacked power to tell the truth. Yeah. Maybe didn't know how to tell the truth, especially when you're in the context of a, of a spiritual organization where maybe there's unabated, uh, high regard. I mean, when you involve God, God and you know, the, the scenario you trust quite freely. Well, and it sounds like in his story, he said, touch, touch not my anointed. So he's, at least in part, drawing his authority and relational influence from repre- representing God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a to your earlier point. There's something um, remarkably potent about that. Mm-hmm. Relating from position, yes, rather than person. He didn't. He didn't have a solid person to relate to others from. Well, and isn't that the essence of of abuse, whether it's spiritual or other? I I. My identity is not uh, formatted. It's it's fragmented. So I'm not going to lead in such a way that um, is self-aware or aware of how I'm influencing you. Exactly. Okay. You know, again, I, identifying some of those offices in an organization like a church, um, obviously we've mentioned last time and then today the concept of gaslighting. So let me just give it real quick definition. So this is emotional abuse. Gaslighting is emotional abuse. It's a way of controlling another person by using emotions to criticize or embarrass, shame, blame, or otherwise just manipulate in general another person. 
So in regard, a relationship is emotionally abusive when there is a consistent pattern of abusive words and bullying, uh, the kind of behavior that will wear down a person's self-esteem and undermine their mental health. Yeah, it causes a person to feel bad about, to Ryan's point, to feel bad about who and what they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't give them permission to be themselves. No. Wow. You're there to help buffer their ego. Right. And as long as you stay in that pattern. You're safe. Yeah. Temporarily. I mean, at some point it falls apart, I think. But yeah, you're right. One of the big takeaways from last episode was a point Ryan made about that the system is a system and it's designed to produce something. Yeah. Achievement. Mm Mm-hmm. Power by achievement, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever the product is, but you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not producing people. You're not regarding people. You're using people to be able to get the intended outcome that the business is designed um, to function, to generate a means to an end. Mm -hmm. We're talking about the person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're making a distinction between the system and the person. Our focus is on the people within the system, I think. Is yeah, if you're, you're listening, that's really the heart of our conversation. It's, yeah. it's the person. I think pre-recording we talked about really all systems are broken. And the reality, what Ryan is saying, we'll continue this conversation of his story, but the reality is you wouldn't change a thing Mm-mm. because the the navigation through the abuse produced something more valuable for you. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the work. Yeah, the wall. Yeah. yeah. The dark night, as you mentioned, Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, it, but <laughs> not a quick, not a quick process at all. Um, I had, a, you know, I had attended counseling to figure it out. I, I needed to get into a safe space with a neutral person who wouldn't BS me. <laughs> right. And so that was very helpful. And uh, I think the, the takeaway, you know, looking over the years of doing that was just simply, I went through this process of the first thing I needed to do was admit that it happened. Yeah. Cause all those around me were saying, well, that's your perception, but it's not reality. Right. Okay. Well, it did happen. Number two, it was wrong. It's wrong to be treated this way. Yes. It actually is wrong. Yes. It's immoral. It's not right. No. And um, I would come to realize that. The third thing I realized was it mattered deeply and profoundly. It mattered deeply and profoundly. And then once I allowed those three steps to have their way fully, I could look at that person and say, you're you're free, you're you're released. I don't hold this against you anymore. And um, because it helped me to find me. (laughs) <laughs> and there's a you know you you can't use your position to reduce my worth or to the earlier point you can't use your position to define who you are Mm-mm. yeah say that again ryan um you can't your, yeah your position doesn't define my worth um your position mm-hmm. your authoritative position doesn't define my worth Mm -hmm. but in the very beginning we do look yeah in a very childlike trusting way 
that this authority figure does have something to do mm-hmm. with defining my worth. Dr. Rob, theory on maturity, mm-hmm. authoritative messages. Oh, yeah. Shaping, you know, a child's understanding of their own identity. And being that we have, not that we're putting you on the, the, the chopping block here, but we do have your son. Yeah. So if you could please leave the studio for yes, a moment. <laughs> There's a hundred bucks in there. <laughs> That's right. If you... Maya, is it's going to cost you. Maya, is this conversation resonating anything in you? No. I mean, we... My, my parents never really... They never tore us down. They always built us up with love. They always helped us to understand, you know, how, like, I don't even know. They brought us up in a very different way to respect people in authority, but also respect yourself enough to know that if they, the people in authority are abusing their power, that there's nothing wrong with walking away. Oh. That was an early lesson that was afforded you. Oh, very early. Like kindergarten? Like the, you don't like the kindergarten teacher, so you walk away? Probably. I don't know. Oh, kindergarten. Well, probably the earliest. I was in Rural Rangers. I was like, what, five or six? Yeah. And there was just one leader that was dogging me. I, I don't know why to this day, but we, we finally just left because obviously I could do nothing right. Yeah. It made me feel bad, but I mean, at that age, you don't really, you just feel bad. You don't really have the tools to break it down. But. Yeah. So you did have experiences, although the home, the family system has nurtured a sense of healthy, authoritative messages, mm-hmm. emphasizing self mm-hmm. worth. Um, you have been in systems where it hasn't been. Oh yeah. I mean, supportive. Yeah, I think in today's world, you have a lot of unsupportive people. Everyone's trying to get the leg up. I think a lot of people are just in it for what's going to help them get the most likes or get the most money and get that yeah. promotion. Yep. It No one really cares about your what you think or your ideas anymore unless it's a moneymaker. Yeah. What is that system of achievement? Power by achievement? That would be, or at least it would end there. Yeah. I'm just imagining all the people listening, all 30 of you. (laughs) Do the clap button. Yeah. You know. It's too late. If you you give me a shot, um, (laughs) you know, I can do the laughter piece. (laughs) Right. Okay, there it is. Thank you you very much. I'll be with you all week. That's more than 30. No, I, I I think the okay. Please stop laughing. <laughs> I tell you guys, this is a train. We don't know where we're going. Um, but what I'm what I'm mindful of is the the volume of people who are affected by systems mm-hmm. that are broken, mm-hmm. broken people. And um, I think if we normalize this, this is kind of the law of universality. This is just true across the board. So if you're human, if you're breathing, you're probably, you've been, or you're probably part of a broken system because we are broken people. To Ryan's last point, broken people typically break people. Break people. 
I think that's just kind of the nature of the system that we live in. But Dr. Rob, is that is that a true statement or is that hyperbole? Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know if I'm the best one to decide that, <laughs> but I perceive it as a true statement because I was sitting here as I was listening to Maya and Ryan talk. I'm thinking a true leader is someone who believes in you, invests in you, and really provokes you to be the best version of you. And they do it in such a way that when push comes to shove, if it's, uh, first of all, I don't think they segregate the organization from the person. In other words, what's in the best interest of the person is in the best interest of the organization. And so when I look at that and I think about what Maya lived through um, and how we as a family had to navigate with our kids the misuse of spiritual and other types of power um, or people in position of power, how frustrating it was. It's a broken planet. Most often people who are abusing their power don't really believe they're doing it because to Ryan's point in both podcasts, they're not doing the work. They're not doing the work. And he referenced a couple of times, this is a substantial deep work. This is not something I can just read a book and somehow figure out to change. This is about how people are experiencing me as a leader. And do I have the maturity to listen to them when they tell me things about how they're experiencing me that disagree with my own self-perception? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That yeah. requires me not to be a survivalist of my own ego. Right. Right? Because you've gone beyond that ego. And it's not about you anymore. No. And this, and this isn't about selfishness. This is about the influence of power. Mm-hmm. For the benefit of others. Exactly. But that's a position you're moving from. And Maya, Maya describes it wonderfully on how he experienced you. You know, dad was nurturing, loving. Like, my goodness, we understand this about our parents. Why can't we translate that over to leadership? But Maya helped. I mean, my kids, both of them have been very honest, and Sandy and I have always tried to seek an understanding about how they're experiencing us as parents, right? So that it wasn't just me looking at it from a position of power, trying to micromanage the kids. And, of course, it was age stage. But really, you know, he was probably about five when he could do no right. And that was a religious leader. That was an organization that that was a religious leader. And a five-year-old mm-hmm. going up against an adult? Mm-hmm. That's Bring not it gonna, on. <laughs> well, well now I wouldn't I, mess with you now. Yeah, uh, that would be different now. <laughs> yeah, for those of you listening that don't have a visual here, uh, Maya is a stout young man. Um, I think he's six foot four or something. Very Sorry, I shorted you an inch. <laughs> ladies, ladies and gentlemen, he's six foot five. Um, He'll meet you in the parking lot afterwards. <laughs> Someone um, you want on your team. He's, I, I, <laughs> right. I think, I think he said he's north of three twenty five. Um, and he has a big red truck. <laughs> a big red truck. <laughs> and so the reality is if we ever need him to do some house cleaning work <laughs> and we need to, we need to send him to deal with and abusers, um, abusers 
He's our guy. He's he's he's. Well, at least he goes first. He he goes into the house first, and I feel completely safe. <laughs> Safety right now. I have self awareness. I feel safe there, and Maya's here, so I feel safe. One hundred percent satisfaction guaranteed. A hundred percent. He doesn't even carry a gun. He's got two. One on his right. One on his left. Kissing his biceps. <laughs> this is slowly becoming about you. Uh, I noticed that, <laughs> which makes me feel better. <laughs> is it is it true then that what we're saying is with that idea of universality that this is systemic in our culture yeah, or, around the globe? But we're here in the West, but this is yeah. systemic. Well, it's on a scale, right? Everybody's on a scale. No, no one's perfect. An organization's perfect and without harm. Yeah, and no. Or, you know, and then totally, well, maybe Hitler. That was probably a zero, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so we're not saying get the sandwich board, go to your workplace, you know, down <laughs> yeah. with management. No. no. We're, we're, we're no. not saying that. What we're saying is be awakened to the reality that you can't look to the leadership in your life to yes. define your worth. Yes. And your identity. There's a different way. Yes, is, w- is that what you're saying? That is exactly. And those who find that way and go through that tunnel and come out the other side, a more whole person can hold safe space for other people to grow, like Rob is saying. Yeah, you can then become a leader that is influencing people from the perspective of wholeness. Wholeness. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Wellness. Power by yeah, purpose. Power by purpose. Yeah. Which okay. is love, wholeness, all the good stuff, all reason. Like right high regard for other people. Mm. Like I think highly of you more so than I think of myself. Well, you first in my mind, right? That, yep. That's what Rob just said. Maya first. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, you can take us all out. <laughs> so you first. <laughs> You're going first. Regardless. This, this is where the word smite comes in. Like I, he smited me. Which is like a, a palm across the face. <laughs> but to Ryan's point, I do think it is. It's and to your point, it's it's grounded in a um, self awareness and a respect and a regard for others mm-hmm. and yeah. the uniqueness in the way in which God made them. So as a as a leader using my influence to call forth I don't get to choose or to micromanage how Ryan or Maya or you or anybody else is going to. And that doesn't mean I can't speak or influence or challenge or confront or vice versa. But there's the key. It's mutual. It isn't me as a leader telling somebody. It's 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 that respect, that mutualness that mitigates against the abuse. Yeah. And in that, you're you're trusting something beyond your own control. Mm-hmm. And someone who is very ego based must control. Yes. To save face or to save position, to save artificial power. And you, your whole concept that you're speaking about is release that. Yeah. Freedom. So it it gives my freedom to become who he is, with his own messy journey, and it doesn't reflect poorly back onto your ego. No. His dad. No, yeah, no, it's it's we're in this together. We're mutually growing. We're mutually loving. We're mutually accountable. That to me are those things are the ways you mitigate it. And to the issue of power, 
the brokenness of the planet, humans like power. Mm. Egos do. They, yes, that's <laughs> yeah. That? You you made it more yeah. specific. Was it Darwin? You know the survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know the concept. Yeah, you're gonna power up to to be the one that survives, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rob, you just said something that I can't, brings us into the realm of what to think about on a practical level. So let's let's go there for the remainder of our 10 minutes that we have left is to be able to identify for our listeners if if you and you're listening you you're, this message is resonating and you're thinking about maybe the family system, you know, your own home, uh, the place you work, maybe where you go to church or what whatever organization that you're part of and you recognize something has clicked for you, there's an abuse of power or a misuse of power in your awakening to that, what are some practical steps our listeners can consider? Find support. Where would mm. a person find support? There is a neat organization called the Response Care Center <laughs> based out of Richland, Michigan. It has a lot of individuals who can hold space for you to make sense of that reality. So I'm holding up a billboard right now and having Ryan read like a teleprompter. Well, I don't work here, so I can advertise. That's an advertisement. It sounds like one. It definitely is a resource that's available for our community. But I think Ryan modeled that to his point. If it, if it, I mean, this is not an insignificant thing that we're talking about. It, it, it's, it character logically destroys people. Mm-hmm. And so in that context, finding someone who can hold that space to let you be who you are professionally, a friend, um, to help put things in perspective, to care about you through that messiness, that to me is a very practical, one practical step. Mm-hmm. As long as they're safe. Yes. Yep. My yes. problem was I, w- I was amongst a bunch of confused individuals just like myself. Yes. Yep. And so if I'd had someone to go to early on to affirm what I was saying was significant and honest and real, then that would have helped. Yes. And I, and I also believe that our listeners are maybe coming to an awareness that this is an issue for them. I just want to encourage you, as I'm encouraging myself and us, the reality is you're not who you think you are based on the system that you're in. There is more yeah. about who you are that has significant value. And even if there is some expression of behavior that has not been healthy, that's come from those wounded places, the reality, that's not you, right? I often say you are not your behavior. Yeah, you do say that. The reality is you are more than your behavior. Should you be responsible to, to assess your behavior? Yes. But to be able to um, mitigate that and to come to a different position of how you see yourself? Ryan, you said that you've been on a journey for 10 years. So we're not talking about a small span of time. And the journey's not over. No, never will be. So a journey of a thousand steps <laughs> starts with one. the first one. Um, just acknowledging that this could be an issue is significant. Significant, yeah. I think, too, to, to Ryan's earlier point, it's important that you get an accurate assessment, an accurate assessment about the organizational leadership that you're in, an accurate assessment about what might actually be going on, 
And part of that is done by having people who are safe, mm-hmm. to your point. So I think that can't be overemphasized. Generally speaking, people who say they're safe <laughs> are not. That's wonderful. So how do you find the safe person? Um, you can tell them. I think they have this to, I mean, it's a good question for Ryan too, but it, it, they have this quiet confidence. They have a track record. They don't seek limelight. They don't draw their worth from their performance or to Matt's point, their behavior. They allow you to, um, they allow you to succeed and fail in that space and there's a certain way that i think they also authentically based on their respect and dignity that they hold for people their own integrity i think they also desire to see the best in you and that to me comes through in a variety of ways but i think like how encouraging matt is or ryan leveraging Um, his expertise to help or to recognizing certain things just as subtle as the abuse is there's a certain subtlety to these people who are really safe and learning to identify that is important wouldn't you say yeah yeah i would echo that extremely that's really well said rob and i think you'll know too when you bring the heaviness of your topic does it make them uncomfortable Mm. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, doesn't make them squirm. Do they reduce it, quickly dismiss it, Mm. twist it in any way, or can they sit there with the full gravity of it? Yeah, that's good. They're not shy away from it. Mm -hmm. I think Maya is actually a really good example to have at the table because you're kind of out. Your context is outside the response care center. I think all of us have some type of therapeutic role. In the systems that you exist in, is there a person, is there a place that you can go that is safe among friends, colleagues, workplace, church? I mean, honestly, is there a, is there a person you found in those contexts that represents safety? Uh, numerous people. Okay. Um, but it didn't come without trial and error. Ah, that's good. That's and a critical point. That is. Well, trust. Yeah. Like you're not going to nail, you're not going to find the person, you know, you know, you know, no, first no, time. No. I mean, if you do, you're extremely lucky or, you know, it's a godsend. How did you navigate through until you found some resources that started to work for you? Uh, say that one more time. <laughs> so in the process of, you know, navigating through some relationships that weren't safe you discovered they weren't safe Mm. how how did you navigate through that until you started to run into the resources that did help you uh i think i I start slowly with the people i if if i'm going to confide in someone or find someone that i can trust Mm -hmm. it's a long process you don't start out by you know dumping everything at once yeah um, and it's your atmosphere too. You know, I'm like, I'm not going to go to work cause it's a professional place and dump out what's yeah. going on at my church or my home. Oh or my gosh. Don't do that. Stuff like that. You know, right. but if you have like a, if you have a leader at church that you can go to and trust that you've been around for long enough, like I have a leader at my church 
Yeah. But I go to up in GR, and I think part of it was God spoke to me that he was trustworthy. Um, And just through different conversations, I could tell that he actually was intentful mm-hmm. in the conversation. Genuine. But yeah, genuine. He, You know, like you were saying, he didn't downplay it. He didn't run away from it. You know, he was, he was, and, and they came back later and asked. Yeah. 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 And, and that's kind of the person who's already dealt with their own stuff. Yeah. yeah. So when you bring your stuff, it doesn't bother them because maybe they've been there with their own stuff and worked through it before. Yeah. You get that sense. Yeah. 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 yeah they've already been through the, the fire of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Critical point, Ryan. You had the person who's actually safe is the one who's been through the wall. Yes, they've done the work themselves. I, you can't, right? You can't be safe. You can't hold space when you haven't done the hard work yourself. Right? You can't help people unless you're in a solid state. Yeah, and if you don't pour into yourself, then you shouldn't be pouring into other people. It would mm. be scary. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to do that because it's the week of Halloween. That's two buttons today. Three. <laughs> Three Don't fear. The reality is there is a resource out there that can help you. I'm sorry. These guys, these guys get on me because I have a fetish to be a DJ. Like <laughs> pre-recording, pre-recording. I run some cool music. Today we did an 80s. I'm, I, I would just love to plant a bug in your vehicle and listen to how well you sing at stoplight. I, you don't want to hear me I sing. I do. I don't sing well. I have fun. I have fun. Um, so let's do this. Let's kind of, as always, it's you know 40 minutes here, believe it or not. Let's start, um, let's start concluding our thoughts on this topic. And... Um, Number one, yeah, press the rewind button. Go back about three minutes and rehearse the list that Rob gave that qualifies someone to be someone you could hold space with. That was just a fantastic list. So, yeah, just hit rewind. Go back and listen to that. In fact, listen to the entire podcast over again. Ryan has brought some incredible material. Yep. Rob and Maya, thank you. But what about some some closing thoughts on this topic of the abuse of power, the misuse of power? I think a message I'd like to leave listeners with might be um, no matter a person's positional authority, they don't have permission to cause you harm. That's, that's the mic drop. That's, yeah, why, that's, that, the mic that's drop. why I'm not, I don't want to speak. That's, can you repeat that one more time? Yeah. No matter the positional authority, whether it's CEO Senior leader, senior pastor, president of the United States of America, I don't care who you are, you don't have the permission to harm others. I don't think we need to add. (laughs) There's the mic drop. Wow. Don't miss that. Yeah, that's... That's got me just sitting and thinking. Me too. Maybe if you're listening, you just pulled over to the side of the road. (laughs) You just heard a collective jaw drop. (laughs) Yeah. Should we take up an offering? (laughs) Shut your face. (laughs) 
That's five buttons, by the way. So, <laughs> yeah, so do no harm. Do hip- no our, harm. Our Hippocratic Oath. Do and, no harm. And Ryan and others, Jeremiah said it too. If you're in that position, get help because there is hope for mm. healing. Yes. There is hope you for healing. You need the help. There's yeah. no way to do it alone. And there's you others know. to listen. Yes. They're out there. They are out there. They are out there. What a beautiful message. Wow. May that be your reality. Yes. May you be blessed in your pursuit of wholeness and discovering what it means to be free, to love. Blessings to you.